0: Hello, everyone. It's race week, so we are back with some more of ESPN's Formula One podcast. Alexis Yuna is here with Nate Saunders, Lawrence Edmondson, the crew. We are looking ahead to Bahrain. As I said, it is race week, but we had... A little bit of a break, so we'll find out what the boys have been up to as well. Plus, we're going to pay off some of the news stories, some really interesting headlines floating around involving Lewis Hamilton and Toto Wolff. And we'll also get your pit stop predictions as well as Nate's ball predictions. And if you're struggling to gas yourself up for this weekend because it's all wrapped up in terms of the constructions, Constructors' Championship as well as the Drivers' Championship... Well, you're not alone, because I think we're also struggling (laughs) a little bit, aren't we, guys?
1: Just a little bit. Um, There is still some things on the table, but as I'm sure we'll get into, it's quite hard to get excited about third place in either the Drivers' or Constructors' Championship, even though it means a huge amount, certainly to the teams fighting for the Constructors' Championship, because it's worth a lot of money. It's still quite hard to move your head around the fact that the Championship's already been decided and we've still got three races to run, but um hopefully there'll be good ones. we've got some decent tracks coming up, at least the two Bahrain ones should be interesting, so um yeah we'll uh, we'll get stuck into that
0: well, we always say how the battle in the midfield is really where it's at, and now we can actually just focus right there, forget you know necessarily one or two or just take Mercedes out completely, and see what else goes on, and maybe we can start making our own midfield podiums going on well we're gonna try spice things up because goodness knows we absolutely have to um so let's just get to some of the new stories like i said some interesting headlines floating around that have to do with lewis and totem wolf let's start with lewis as well um because i know this has been talked about many many times but now it seems like he is that much closer to receiving knighthood Of um, here we know that it's such a huge prestigious honor everyone from you know us to to andy murray have chimed in to say that Lewis Hamilton would absolutely deserve to receive the knighthood coming this January in the Queen's New Year's honour. So, guys, what are you hearing about this? Is this more on the definite side?
2: Sounds pretty likely at this point. Um, and I think it had to be done in previous right? years. Yeah, it did. And, you know, in previous years, it, it's a weird thing in the UK. I've got to say, for somebody who's British, we seem to, that whenever somebody does anything in a sporting context... Nobody can sit and appreciate the achievement. They're like, when is he getting his knighthood? When is he going to get Sports Personality of the Year? And ultimately, I, I, I'm actually I think in a minority, and I don't really care either way because you know there's a lot of great people who haven't been knighted who should have been. There's a lot yeah. of people who got knighted who shouldn't have been. So I think I, I was speaking to some American friends of mine the other day, and they find it a a bit baffling. They're like, well, why? Why does it matter? And uh, you know, so people listening to it might be thinking the same thing. Um, but as recognition for what he's done, he's definitely one of the best british athletes ever and if you're going it on on that alone i think he definitely deserves it and to get seven uh of anything uh, championship wise i think deserves it so um the fact he's getting it i think is is deserved especially it seems like from the reports that have been out that this will be to recognize what he's done on track and off track this season and i think that's the significant thing it's kind of recognizing that beyond sport he's had a big impact on things this year um so yeah great great for him and deserved but you know, I'm always going to caveat it with a kind of a very un-British response of kind of being a bit frustrated that the whole discussion happens every year. And I'm glad he's getting it. So now we can stop talking about it.
0: I mean, it's it's pretty, as someone who's obviously not British, um, I honestly didn't know it was such a argument for every sportsman or sportswoman that actually does something brilliant in the sport i remember of course covering the cricket world cup last year and and after england won everyone was like they all should be knighted now 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 and some of them were just you know making their debut and it was like whoa hang on what you know it's (laughs) and i was wondering you know are they gonna be does it make them anything less if they're not knighted because obviously in jamaica we don't really have it um have that i think your highest honor is like an order of of the prime minister really and truly so but it does sound kind of cool you know arise sir lewis
2: see if they could still joust each other like old knights used to (laughs) i'd be all up for it you know if if afterwards lewis and sir andy murray went out and they had a friendly jousting match to decide who is the greatest british sportsman ever i'd be like great as long as you can keep it safe who wouldn't watch that, you know? And then you could do it for everything, you know? Who's the greatest broadcaster ever? Get Attenborough and Dimbleby up there, you know, whatever. Like, you could. that would make it more fun. But yeah, I, I think it's um, it's kind of just a name. And there's an obsession with knighting people before they've retired as well, which I don't understand, mm. because it's a weird thing to, you know, next year is no one calls somebody Sir Lewis. You yeah. know, it, the commentator's going to be like, oh, great overtake there by Sir Lewis, you know, tip of the cap to the knight. You know, it's just weird. Like, I don't understand why... You'd want that to happen before he's finished because we don't know what he's going to retire as. So, um, yeah, I'm strangely opinionated on this matter. I didn't didn't know I was until we started the podcast, but apparently I am.
0: Honestly, (laughs) as of January, if this happens, I'm going to make it compulsory that on all our podcasts, when we're talking about Lewis, we say Sir Lewis. I will be like, Lawrence, what did you think of that overtake by Sir Lewis? <laughs> I also think it ages him. It feels like it ages him like 30 years or something or four or 100, really. But um, anyways, I suppose that's, uh, that seems to be had to be done. A lot of people have been crying for it for some time, I guess, because they do want to appreciate someone, I guess, while they're still doing what it is they do that make us love them so much. So, Lewis Hamilton could be Sir Lewis Hamilton come January. We'll keep our eyes peeled for that. But more importantly, now, um, there is a huge t- topic of conversation going on. And this has to do with someone Lewis knows very well, Toto Wolf, and whether he is or he isn't stepping down as Mercedes team principal, or if that means that he's going to step away from Mercedes completely, or if he's just going to be in a different role. Lawrence, there's a, a couple of Confusing headlines, I would like to say, going around, and I know that there's a lot of moving parts to this. So, what exactly is the deal?
1: Well, I'd like to think those confusing headlines aren't ours because
0: no, definitely the
1: (laughs) the situation seems fairly straightforward, and Toto's kind of made it fairly straightforward. And that situation is that he will remain at the team, but his role is going to change slightly. Um, those of us who remember when he first joined his title wasn't team principal I think it was something along the lines of executive director business and the business was in brackets or something like that so it's really just a, a change of title he's still going to be the top man at the Mercedes Formula One team next year as far as we know uh, he's still going to have his shareholding which is significant because not every team principal on the grid or team boss or whatever you want to call them uh, has a shareholding so for example Zach Brown who's CEO at, um, at McLaren, which seems to be the kind of role that Toto is going to move into, uh, he doesn't have any shareholding. So Toto is still very much part of Mercedes and uh, his money is still, it, still in the team. And yeah, so I, I think it's probably going to be that he moves into a CEO role and then possibly you have someone in a team principal role. Again, to compare with McLaren, maybe an Andreas Seidel kind of role where your team principal, you look after the day-to-day running of the team, you're... At all the races no matter what. And then Toto uh, kind of comes in and makes bigger decisions, gets involved with the politics of the sport, which is what he's best at anyway. He's never been one to sit on the pit wall, for example. He always sits in the garage rather than on the pit wall. He has a button which um, can go through to team radio, but famously he said before that, Uh, it actually just goes nowhere. So he kind of rants to himself rather than getting involved directly in what's going on track. So I don't think you'll see a massive change in either the structure of what Mercedes looked like, how it positions itself in the sport or the reality of what's going on on track is probably more of a definition. And perhaps he won't go to all the races next year. But when you've got a calendar of 23, potentially becoming 24 in the future, I think it's quite sensible for anybody in the sport from the drivers who have to be at every race to start to assess when can you get some downtime when can you get some family time and uh, that's clearly important for Toto it's also clearly important for uh, some of his equal numbers across other teams Mattia Bonotto didn't turn up in Turkey um, again you know felt that his time was better used at the factory uh, better used uh, focusing his energy on something else rather than flying you know, around the world and staying in hotels and all this kind of stuff so I don't think it's as big a story as perhaps being made out but because he may not hold the title of team principal next year it can create a headline that will almost certainly get clicks but I, personally from everything I know and from what Toto has said quite openly in the media it's not going to change things dramatically
2: See for a guy from Austria how often is he going to have a chance to work with a knight of the realm so I think he will stay <laughs> he'll be like oh i can work with a sir lewis hamilton for one year and then he'll be like then i'll go so maybe maybe the knighthood has changed toto's plans that's my that's my two cents on the matter
0: they love <laughs> just this joking knighthood. obviously for
2: anyone thinking i'm being serious
0: <laughs> a knight of the realm i love that that's true though i mean it's cool to have a bff for someone like that that's a, that's a knight but so i guess do we you can think
2: just does, does sir lewis outrank any title they can give toto do you think because I think I, you know, I'd be like, I'm a sir. What can you, you know, you don't, you're not the boss of me.
0: What's the highest award? I guess you can get in Austria, national award. Because like I said, I mean, I we used to be in Jamaica or at least in the Caribbean, because parts of the Commonwealth, you used to be, you used to be able to be knighted by the Queen. But now, since they gained independence and formed Caricom and all of that, they now just do it um, as a the highest order by of the Prime Minister. So it's, um, I think I would actually still like to know I was being knighted by the Queen, though. Um, I think that would be a pretty cool honour. So we'd have to find the Austrian equivalent. But you know what? I don't know if it'll be as cool, with the most respect. I don't know. It does sound extra cool when you're knighted by the Queen, don't you?
1: I'm going to keep my views on the monarchy to myself. (laughs) I think this myself getting into trouble. But I I would argue uh, Lewis's achievements as a seven-time world champion will... Forever outweigh, and of course, are the reasons for uh, his knighthood. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay quiet on the whole subject because I don't really <laughs> believe in in the honor system.
0: Well, um, our producer has just sent us a message, and Austria's highest award is the Decoration of Honor for Services to the Republic of Austria. So mm. there you go; it could be um, a, a rise, Sir Toto.
2: <laughs> when that message came through, I thought it was just going to be from the crown saying, "Please." Stop, stop what you're talking about right now.
0: Oh my goodness. To, for two British guys, you guys are definitely not as excited about these British honors as I am. Clearly. We're we're,
2: we're a jaded people, the British. We're you're, kind of fed up of everything that we do.
0: You're <laughs> Everyone so else so jaded. Loves it. I come here yeah. and like drive past Buckingham Palace and I'm like, wow. <laughs> and you guys are like, eh, eh, eh. But it's all right. We'll move on. But I'm still definitely set on calling Lewis, Sir Lewis for the from now till infinity and beyond i suppose but anyways moving on now because this is a real discussion um usually we'll go into our previews but like i said if you're feeling like you have to gas yourself up for this race week because everything's all been wrapped up in terms of the championship you are not alone that's something that nate and lawrence do struggle with as well it's something that we do struggle with in sports on a whole i mean for anyone especially for me if you've ever watched the Bundesliga or La Liga or, you know, the league. ah oh, you're always just, you have people like Bayern Munich that wrap things up with almost like a month or two to go. You know, Real Madrid or Barcelona usually wrap up La Liga, but now it's tougher times for them. PSG usually wrap up Liga and you're wondering, what else am I watching this for? But at least there's a relegation battle that you can turn, tune into. But in F1, it's, it's not so much quite like that. So it does become a little harder. So much so that Nate Saunders went on Twitter and put out a poll, ladies and gentlemen. I never thought I would see the day. And at the moment, he's got almost 1,400 votes. And that's just at the time of recording this podcast. It still says there's 21 hours left though, Nate, for this poll. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what it is by the end of the poll but for now that's what I said with 1400 votes Nate asked because we were going to discuss this on this pod with three dead rubbers coming up do you think F1 should have a format which somehow takes the championship to the final race now I actually thought that everyone would say yes of course why not time for changes we need to you know jazz this up a little bit but Nate what's the what's the massive consensus saying
2: Well, currently, on the votes that we have, it's um, 27% voted yes, and 73% voted no. So it's almost one quarter saying no, and uh, sorry, saying yes, and the rest kind of sticking in favour of um, staying with how things are, which I'll be honest with you, I actually was kind of expecting, because it seems, you know, the consensus in motor racing does seem to be along this, and there are examples of this being done badly, which I think probably makes people lean in that direction, but, you know, I'm, I'm... I'm going to try and fight the corner of the yes side on this podcast because I think that there is, it's at least a discussion worth having because, you know, we, especially in the modern era of sport, this is how people watch sports now. I do watch a lot of American sports, so I think playoffs have just been kind of rammed into my oh, brain over the last few goodness. years, but it seems strange without I was wondering if it. this
0: is where you were going. I was yeah. wondering because I said, for me, the only way I can think of is if we do like, playoffs, but with the most respect, of course, when I did live, um, the four years in the States, I couldn't wrap my head around how they would have football or soccer, um, MLS going to playoffs because then the, you of course run the risk of making the first part of the season. You get that lull, you know, you're waiting for teams to finally pick it up because they know that they could be consistent, um, finishing the top, but then still lose it all, I suppose, or not get the the highest awards, so to speak. So, um, what do you guys think can be done so that you don't, I suppose, lose the the identity of Formula One?
1: Well, I think the issue here is not the point system. It's not um, having playoffs or not having playoffs. It's just that at the moment, it's not a particularly competitive sport because Mercedes are so much better than the rest of the field. So by changing the point system or the way in which we crown the champion, to suit this current situation is somewhat short-sighted. And F1 did exactly the same thing back when Ferrari was dominating. They changed the point system so that uh, instead of getting 10 points for a win and six points for second place, they changed it to 10 points for a win, eight points for second place, in the hope of kind of bringing everyone a little bit closer to Michael Schumacher and Ferrari over the course of the season. And it didn't really work out. There was a fairly close season in 2003, which was the year they changed it. But then in 2004... Michael Schumacher won by a big margin again. And then we got to 2010 and everyone went the other way. And they said, well, wait a minute, you know, wins aren't being given the points that they deserve. Ten, just two more points in second place isn't fair if you've gone and won a race. So then they changed it to the current system, which is 25-18. And immediately in 2010, we had four drivers fighting right until the final race. And the reason wasn't particularly because the point system has changed, although perhaps it would have been slightly different if it hadn't but the reason was we had a competitive year again you know we had uh, McLaren Red Bull and Ferrari all in contention and so that's what F1 has to try and achieve first and foremost and if we're going to start to talk about playoffs then uh, you know you really are creating this artificial element to it and you're putting it more down to luck and the only way I could see a playoff system working is basically taking what NASCAR have and putting it in F1 Um and I, I enjoy NASCAR. I, I actually quite enjoyed this season. Uh, Chase Elliott won the championship in the playoff system. It was exciting at the final race. But then you had someone like Kevin Harvick, who won more races than any other driver. He won nine races this year. And he wasn't even in the final four, just because of the way the results went in the, in the playoffs. So I feel like it, you know, it, you, you may end up with a surprise champion. But do you end up with the right champion? And I think that's, you know, that that's ultimately what I'd rather see is, is the right person crowned champion. Because otherwise you end up with a situation where you're saying, well, you know, so-and-so shouldn't have been champion because they only won it because so-and-so had a problem in the final race. And it just detracts from the whole thing. So I, I'm dead against it. If, if you're going to take the artificial element, do something like success ballast, the car that is going miles ahead at the start of the season put more weight on the car, that brings it back. You get more competitive races. I don't personally want to see that, but if you're going to get involved in changing the competitive nature and trying to create a freak champion out of it, at least do it in a way that we're going to have exciting races along the way. Because otherwise, if it was going down to the final race uh, in Abu Dhabi this year, we'd probably all put a safe bet on Lewis Hamilton still winning it. It's just by how many seconds at that final race. So, yeah, I I, do not really see... um, See, see the points system as the issue, the dead rubbers as the issue. The issue is the competitiveness of the cars. And as we said so many times on this podcast, I really hope that that is addressed over the coming years with some of the changes F1 is making. But it will take time. It will take time to filter through.
0: Nate, I'm hoping you're going to play devil's advocate here.
2: I can certainly try and play devil's advocate. Uh, but I think what Lawrence has said is actually it's a very concise argument against it. My main point, I think, would be that um, it's never a great look to have what are ultimately fairly meaningless races at the end of a season I know we can talk about the fight for second and third but what I always say to people back when they say that is can you name the people that finished second and third behind Usain Bolt in those 100 metre finals 200 metre finals and most people can't it's because no one actually really cares who finishes second or third in those races you can say I think Powell did and that's because he was pretty good at the time but I can't name the people that finished third in those, in those seasons I can barely name who finished if the top of my head if you said who finished fourth in F1 in 2016, I'd have to think about it. So, you know, that side of the argument I never quite get. Um, I think the problem with this poll was that when you say, if you vote yes, there's no defined uh, option there of what you want instead. And I think a playoff system, as NASCAR has proved, can be that there's a lot of flaws with that. But I, I think that there must be a way that F1 can make, at least the championship go down to the final couple of races, you know, whether you're you're eliminating five drivers a t- you know every five races i don't know what it is but the f1's such a a sport that's prides itself on these ingenious kind of ideas all the time when it comes to the cars but it seems that when it comes to the format no one really wants to do anything and when we do get stuff it's either the double points thing or the we had that qualifying tweak in i think it was 2015 or 16 that everyone hated and was scrapped after one race so i can see why people react in a negative way to the suggestion but i don't know it just seems that just because it's always been done one way in the past doesn't always mean it's how you should do things going forward. And it a lot of this does come down to the current um, series in the state it's in and the fact that Mercedes is so far ahead. But I don't know. I think that's clearly going to happen again in the future. I don't think Formula 1 is just going to solve it all with one rule change. Hopefully it does. But you know I, I'm kind of betting against them doing that. So... I don't know. Um, while Lawrence was talking, I was like try and think of in your head like one catch-all fi- uh, catch solution that would fix it, and there, you know, there isn't one. But I think having the conversation at least is a healthy thing because, especially nowadays, you know, I think if ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it's less of an issue. But at a time when F1 is actively going after younger audiences, and there's so many entertainment uh, options around, not even sport. There's esports and stuff like that, and esports. There's always something riding on those events. If you look at UFC, one of the reasons that UFC events have become so big is that every fight in every event has a championship on it. It's been hyped like crazy. There's no event on there where you're like, okay, well, this event's just on. It doesn't matter. There's there's something behind everything, and when you watch those events, they're compelling for that reason, and you care about everything that's going on, and you know that makes a huge difference. So, um, if you're looking at it from a commercial point of view, a market a marketing point of view, I don't see why you wouldn't want the championship to go to the end. I've always thought in football, the Premier League would easily would have the biggest game in the world if they suddenly decided, right, we're going to have a playoff between the top two teams. Is it fair? Maybe not, but sport ultimately it's it's entertain is it entertainment or is it meant to be a sporting discipline? I would say it's a bit of both, um, and it's becoming more and more about entertainment, um, in my opinion. You know, there's so much money in it nowadays that that's where it's going. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not the strongest argument people have ever heard for it, but I think that just saying no because other series have done it badly is always a dangerous thing because it means that you'd never end up coming up with a creative idea that might work um, this season is probably not a good example to use because Lewis is so far ahead it seems baffling to think that Max or Bottas should even be in the fight coming late on into the season but I don't know it, it, it also seems sad that three races at the end of this year are kind of just pretty irrelevant like you know Bottas might win them and then a few people could write the headline like, you know, Bottas is coming better than ever into next season and all that nonsense. But that's really it, you know, and it's just a bit of a shame because it's been such a, it's been an entertaining season. But it kind of, even if you have an entertaining race, if if ultimately when you cross the line, you already, you're still like, okay, well, this had no real bearing on the ultimate championship. I think it's a bit of a shame. So I don't know. Um, hopefully that was devil's advocate. I don't know if it's, I, I, I certainly... I'm going to add
0: devil's advocate.
2: <laughs> okay cool well it's two on one then just just um, one. I hope you vo- I hope you voted on the pod on the poll. you
0: had me thinking um just because when you brought up the Premier League and if it went to a playoff I think I would spontaneously combust because that would absolutely drive me crazy but um I do know that of course the championship um those who are I suppose in the United States and don't follow uh football over here it's uh the second division here in England for football they I mean you hear of the championship playoff final and that's the that's the most expensive football match in the world the money that is put into that one of course because it gains the, t- the winner promotion to the premier league but what if they did it at least for the drivers championship because the whole point i feel i'm caught between the league it, it's not supposed to be a knockout competition you're supposed to reward the the person or the team that can get their act together the most consistently so it, it's painful that you know to think that you could do that the best throughout and throughout the season for however many months and then just lose it all on a day of the it it drives me crazy it's like a penalty shootout at the end sure it's entertaining but completely undoes all the work that you put in and all the grafting so what if in like the championship for the drivers championship they they made say the lewis of course the one that finishes with (laughs) all the points towards the end with give or take a couple of races left they are crowned of course the winner etc they get that and then second, third, fourth and fifth by a certain date, go into a little race off, a little playoff, you know, and then and then that determines the final, <laughs> I guess, final podium finish, hurrah, bonanza, since we're all thinking madness here.
1: <laughs> the battle for second place in the current championship is still on. Mm. Like Max Max could still take it from Valtteri. So I just don't think people care. I mean, even the drivers don't care. Like they've often say that they've got no desire to come second in the championship. In fact, some of them don't want to finish in the top three because it means they have to go to the FIA gala event at the end of the year and sit around to be given (laughs) a trophy that they never wanted in the first place because all they ever wanted was a championship trophy. So unless you're making it about the champion, then I don't think there's a huge amount that you're going to do to inject that extra interest. Um, And it really is just a case of you know, who, who, who do you value to some extent? Do you value your fans, which you're going to watch throughout the whole year that care about the sporting element of it that will watch no matter what uh, because you put it on a plate in front of them and they just love motor racing? Or are you trying to attract new, friend, uh, new friends, new fans <laughs> by making it more exciting at the end, by being able to create headlines in the papers, going into the final few races, saying Lewis could still lose it despite all this, and, yeah, it's a tough question. As Nate said, it's a, um, it's very much a commercial question. I think, you know, in some ways, maybe we should be we should be happy that they, F1, in a world where, you know, cash is so often king, to quote Lewis Hamilton from the start of the year, that they haven't chased this kind of thing. And in fact, you know, there are examples where they did. So 2014, uh, they had double points for the last race in Abu Dhabi, which actually made the championship go down to the final race. Lewis still won it, uh, as he would have had it been uh, normal points awarded. So, you know, th- th- there are ideas, but for the most part, they just seem to upset um, the fans. And also, again, if, you're, if you want a random champion, then just, you know, pick it out of a hat. It, you know, what's the point in having a championship for, for, for so long if you're just going to randomise it at the end? And, you know, we have had situations with the points system where you've had surprising champions. Keke Rosberg in 1982 won the championship with a single... Victory, you know, Nicky Lauda's championship win in nineteen eighty four was by a half point. You know, it can be incredibly exciting. And one thing from the past, that perhaps, maybe we should consider coming back, uh, bringing back, uh, to minimise some of the poor results for guys who are unlucky. So, if you look at Bottas, he's had a couple of zero points this year, where you know he's retired from the race. Well, in the past, they used to drop the worst results, so it would equalise it a little bit, and you would only take your best results towards the final race and you know that potentially has it but then you have the situation where you're complicating it and is it unnecessarily complicated and as i said to start with i think you always no matter which way you cut it you come back to the root cause the issue which is that f1 at the moment is not a competitive sport in the way that we'd hope it to be there's one team which has got a big advantage over everyone else they've earned that advantage they deserve to have it they deserve all the championships that come in their way but from a sporting spectacle, it's not great. And it's as simple as that. So I think F1 has taken the right measures by finding ways to address it. You know, it may be quite boring and technical and you may not know about it unless you really read into it. But F1 is bringing in a wind tunnel uh, time and CFD time kind of like equaliser thing where the higher you finish up the championship, the less time you get in the wind tunnel and CFD for the following year. Now, perhaps that could be a bit more extreme and that would start to balance it out a bit, but it's a start. And that's the way that F1 is pushing it. And I think that is absolutely the right direction. Now, the fact that we don't have that in the here and now is based on decisions that were made three years ago. And I don't think we should all of a turn around and say these races are a waste of time or, you know, we should scrap this championship and put it all on Abu Dhabi because it's not particularly helpful for tackling the, the root of the issue. Which is that one team is way more competitive than the rest of them, and uh, and that's what that's the thing that needs to change. It's as simple as that.
0: Oh, what a tangled web we weave. I mean, like I said, I don't think we're going to stop talking about this. Um anytime soon until we do obviously see a little bit of a change but as Lawrence pointed out at least the powers that be have been thinking about this judging by the response that even Nate's poll got you can tell that it's obviously a conversation that a lot of people do feel passionately about so hopefully we do think we do see some exciting changes to come because obviously they're not going to happen overnight time though we still got races on and i get pumped up for that as well i'm not as broken as nathan lawrence have been after years and years of covering <laughs> similar type of seasons but bahrain is coming up next guys uh, quickly what to watch for or what are you guys watching for because like we said the next three weekends are are dead rubbers essentially but still some exciting stuff to look out for um for how the rest of the the table and points and whatnot shapes up so with bahrain coming up next what are your top things to watch for
1: um, first of all, I think Bahrain is a great racing track and we've got two races there. First one is on the track that we all know from uh, the last however many years I've been there. Then the second one is this shortened layout, which actually retains all the areas where you see cars overtake and then shortens it. So there's some, a lot of people are sceptical about it. A lot of people don't think it'll work, but I think it's worth a go because if that works, it could provide a blueprint for uh, for future races and future track layouts. So... Um, I think, first of all, let's enjoy the racing of what's left because, you know, we could still have competitive, interesting races. It's always interesting when the pressure's off slightly as well. We've seen not so much last year, but in other years, sometimes Lewis uh, just kind of eases off the gas a little bit. And quite famously in 2015, it led to Nico Rosberg, I think, winning the final three races of that year. And then he carried that momentum into 16, which led to his championship. So there's always this chance that these final few races kind of set the scene a little bit going forward. But meanwhile, um, if you can't get excited about the battle for third in the championship and stuff like that, which a lot of money is attached to in the constructor Championship, but if you can't get excited about that, get excited about some of the drivers battling for their future in F1. So the likes of Alex Albon needing to prove to Red Bull that he's still the right guy uh, to, to, to put in the car next year. Now, I know I sound like a bit of a broken record because we have been talking about that throughout the year but these these last three races is where we're going to see uh, probably a decision made um and you know that I, I i think is is quite interesting as well because you really are looking at drivers perez as well you know driving for their future in formula 1 and um i think that will result in uh, some high pressure moments uh, some exciting moments um but yeah it's it's really a case of just looking down the field looking out for those drivers seeing how they perform because i think that will provide a bit of a narrative if you're looking for one uh, to get you through the final three.
2: It's kind of weird talking about Bahrain in you know the end of November because it's usually such an early race in the season. Um, but I agree with Lawrence. It's a it's a really good racetrack. It's famous. 2014, the race there was fantastic. Um, but it always seems to, it, it's quite a spectacular one visually, you know, taking place under the lights Um yeah. So as as an individual race, I think it's a good one to look forward to, um, you know, and it it could produce a great race. I mean, there's no, the, ignoring everything I said about it being a dead rubber, it still could be an entertaining <laughs> event. It's just a shame that the, the sting of the championship has gone because a, a place like Bahrain as well, this is the other point about having dead rubber races is that, you know, so often these final races now, like it's one of the things that's really upset me about the Brazilian Grand Prix at pretty much every every season that I've covered F1 in uh, for ESPN has been completely meaningless by the time we've got to Brazil I think it's you know five out of the six or whatever and you get to these great places and it's like well okay the championship's not a factor here so so that also you know adds to that argument but um, yeah I agree with Lawrence and um, it'll be interesting to see what um, Mr. Bottas does I'm still not gonna you know he could win all three of those races and I still don't think he'll win the championship next year because you know we've had that discussion over and over again but I suppose it gives people something to get excited about if he does win one of them.
0: Tell us how you really feel, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think it
2: was in it was in 2017 or 2018, one of the one of the years, and Bottas won one of the final races, and everyone you know, used that and the, the you know the Rosberg example that Lawrence mentioned. So you have to be you have to be careful what you take from these final three races and project onto next year because it's a whole new season. I know the cars will be quite similar, but I don't, yeah, I don't think. Someone winning, a main, you know, a race in Bahrain or Abu Dhabi means they're going to win the race in Australia next year. Um, so yeah, uh, always one to be to be careful of, I guess, going forward.
1: No, I agree with that. I, I think it's more a case that Bottas at the moment looks like a completely broken man, and if he carries that That's into true. the winter, then I feel like you know we can almost write off his season before it even starts. Whereas if he wins, I don't think. I think I'm right in saying that Bottas has never won consecutive Grand Prix. So even that would be quite a big psychological step for him. Uh, so we'll have to see. But yeah, based on the way that Lewis is at the moment, he seems to have a lot of motivation. I'm never quite sure where he gets it from, but he's got it. So I don't see him just rolling over in these final races either. So I think, you know, if Bottas wins him, he's going to win them the hard way. But um, yeah, it's uh, I I just feel like, Okay, maybe I'm clutching at straws a little bit. Maybe the Rosberg example is a bit of a tired one that gets trotted out too often. But I think there is something important about going into the winter with, uh, you know, with something to hold on to, with something uh, to build uh, your progress, your training around as a driver. Um, and for someone like Bottas, especially who you know, has taken a bit of a beating around this, this year, I think that, that would be important. But maybe I'm overplaying.
0: You guys have been broken. You've been broken by Valtteri. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right, well, with that said, let's head right into Pit Stop and get some predictions before we go for Nate's ball, ball, ball predictions. We're going to start off with Nicole and she says wet qualifying leads to Checo taking pole. Hamilton and Bottas start 11th and 12th. Oh, goodness. And never really factor. Rain stays for the race. Raikkonen and Giovinazzi come together and collecting both Ham- oh, comes together on turn one, collecting both Hamilton and Bottas and bringing out a safety car. After all is done, Checo wins. He deserves a win, man.
1: But that's my, my bold prediction was rain in the desert because it is, I think, forecast um, for, for, for rain on Sunday, I believe. Uh, these things change pretty quickly and it's also pretty unlikely to happen still because Bahrain is in the desert. But a wet Bahrain Grand Prix would be something that we've never seen before and based on a test day there last year when it rains there there's zero grip it's usually quite a grippy surface but there's zero grip because all the dust kind of turns into a mush and they kind of go sliding around so we could have a bit of a turkey repeat which i'd be up for to be honest i thought that was quite entertaining
0: yeah that was quite entertaining indeed C D H says lando on pole and then on the race day lando Daniel and Lewis take the podium. If not Lando, then maybe Seb Vettel. Also, George will score his first points. The Racing Squad says Danny Ricardo will finish P3. Simon says, how many cars will Lewis lap in his victory? <laughs> That's always one that people take bets on. Care to chuck in a bet, guys?
1: Well, so where in recent races, it's been up to which position will he lap them? I don't know yeah, whether oh, uh, they're just saying that he's going to lap <laughs> everyone to f- by how many laps.
2: I think he'll get up to fifth, I think. So there'll be four drivers on the
1: lead lap, Lewis being one of them. That would be my Yeah, prediction. I mean, that, that's not unheard of. That's that's possible. No. The question is whether Valtteri gets slapped again, like he did in oh, Turkey. Oh,
0: too soon. Which was, which was soon. difficult
1: to watch for any Valtteri Bottas fans.
0: Definitely. Your unloyal Ferrari fan. Ouch. He predicts... Vettel, Ricardo, Norris. A lot of love for Sebastian Vettel after last time out and fair play to that. The formula says Valtteri Bottas to win Perez podium. Lewis does not finish. Anthony predicts Max Verstappen to win, then Pierre Gasly and then Alex Albon. That would be a podium that I would like very much to. Facebook predictions now. Doug says fans will long for a passing, but the race will be decided by a pit stop or tire strategy. Dan says, he's going with Lawrence, he says rain and more rain and a a last-minute resurfaced track gives George Russell not only his first points but in true racing style a top step on the podium. Is this that far-fetched? That's (laughs) far-fetched. Just a little. Oh, my goodness. Um, Where was I now? Oh, Trey predicts lance can't drive the last three races so nico hulkenberg comes back everyone's been crying for him to for the hulk to come back and gets polled for the last three races and wins all three mercedes and red bull don't win hulk wins two seb wins one danny ricardo takes all three and george kimmy and albon get podiums that's a lot going on there there's a lot to unpack there and edward finally says honey badger to get a podium I'm always here for a Honey Badger podium
2: yeah sensible one to finish on
0: yeah that'd be grand so now it's time for Nate's bald 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 predictions Nate hit me with them not physically so
2: I'm going to do something because I'm just going to try and will it into being but I'm going to say Albon to win (laughs) uh, because I'd love of of what Lawrence was saying about you know you need to watch the drivers racing for their career he is literally doing that so and he deserves to stay in so Yeah, I would predict that. I still, I think it is the reason it's bold is because there's nothing based on the previous races that would suggest that that is an accurate prediction. uh, Because he's really struggled just to match his teammate, let alone to match other cars in inferior machines. Um, But you know, that's why it's the bold prediction. So I'm going to say Albon to win, Um, and there's a lot of a lot of that is heart overhead (laughs) of just wanting to see Albon do something to. Just to really snatch that seat, you know, or just to make it his, or at least to convince Red Bull that he deserves to stay in some capacity. Because it'd be a massive loss if he wasn't around. I know we've talked about Albon over and over again on this podcast, but um, yeah, I'm going to use him as the as the basis for that this week.
0: Lawrence, what's your bold prediction?
1: Well, I'm going to stick with the rain because I want to see that. I think that would be that would be interesting, <laughs> unusual, and uh, would shake things up a bit. Um, but bold prediction, I'd, I'm going to say Perez gets another podium, so two consecutive podiums. Um, I'm not sure that's even that bold because Bahrain's a bit of a power track. The racing point, you know, he's got a decent uh, motor in the back of it, in the Mercedes, and has looked pretty competitive the last few races. So, um, yeah, and then that's the alternative to, to Nate's kind of prediction, which is Perez starting to put himself in a position where can Red Bull, can Red Bull really ignore him? If Albon continues on the current form that he's on, and Perez continues on his current form then that decision is going more and more towards Perez um, so yeah I'm, I'm going to take the Perez side because uh, Nate <laughs> took the um one side and just
2: to clarify I'd love to see them both on the grid next year but um, oh 100%. 100%. Yeah, I percent and I, and I know Lawrence is the same there as well um, and that's, the, mean, that's well, the frustrating Paris thing is- about yeah it's the frustrating thing about this year is that there is there is a handful of drivers I would happily just say like you know they, they can go tomorrow and There's two of the most talented guys, or at least the most promising guys on the grid, that don't know if they'll be racing next year, so it's a real shame. So, yeah, if either of those predictions are true, or both like if Albon wins ahead of Perez, that would be quite interesting for Red Bull, or if Perez won ahead of Albon, uh, I yeah, mean, we'll see what the happens.
0: Checo Perez one just baffles me still because I mean, Alex Albon, we understand. I mean, I guess obviously he's not been having the best of times out there, but Perez must be wondering what more does he have to do? I mean, he's literally been doing it and he comes with obviously all the advertising opportunities that people say, you know, does obviously weigh a lot in there too. So does Alex Albon, fair play. But it's just like, what more does this man have to do? So it will be an absolute travesty if he's not on the grid come next year. But speaking of drivers and movements, I actually did skip over a pit stop question, but I think this is the perfect time to bring it in. The one question that stood out in in the midst of all these wild far-fetched predictions but this one's from Justin on Facebook I suspect Lawrence might want to handle this one too he says when is Haas going to finally announce who their drivers will be for 2021 and if they do will they be getting a new chassis and if and will or will they at least have a plan on fixing the suspension
1: Okay. good questions. Um, Three questions in one. (laughs) Yeah, we've been asking Günther Steiner ahead of each race weekend, when are they going to announce it? Because, of course, they've announced that Grosjean and Magnussen won't be staying. We're pretty certain they're going to be replaced by Nikita Mazapan and Mick Schumacher. Um, Mick Schumacher stands a very good chance of wrapping up the F2 title this weekend in Bahrain, um, which would make him by far and away the clear choice to get that seat. So maybe that's what they're waiting on. But even then, I, I still feel like he's got that seat regardless. Uh, with the Mazapin side of him, maybe it's just some contractual stuff with the money, uh, making sure that, you know, it's all going to be in place. Of course, Haas got burned slightly by Rich Energy uh, last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're going to be keen to make sure the money's all in place. Not saying it isn't, because the Mazepins have plenty of it. Uh, but yeah, perhaps it's just a few kind of I's and T's that need to be dotted and crossed um the other questions were about the chassis well they're sticking with ferraris uh basically the same deal they have with ferrari for next year uh which includes um suspension and it includes the chassis itself it doesn't really include the aero surfaces uh because that's something you have to design yourself so uh, Haas will continue with that next year they've got the same deal uh there were some questions as to whether they might change that long term but uh, I don't get the feeling that they're going to. I think they're going to stick with Ferrari. Uh, They're going to hope that Ferrari um, get their act together a bit in 2022. And then that will uh, filter down to the Haas car. Um, And the final one was about the suspension specifically, Mm -hmm. which uh, has been an issue because it's overheating. And then that's changing the ride height of the rear mid-race and creating all sorts of issues. Clearly, that's something that they have to solve. And I believe it's something they've been aware of for a little while. So I should imagine within what they're allowed to do which isn't a huge amount for next year but within what they're allowed to do I'm sure that's a priority so uh I would suspect they'll have a fix for next year but we'll have to wait and see um in testing next year uh uh, you know what what that car's doing so um yeah that's all the hard answers I have for now but we'll we'll try and get some more on those because they're all actually very good questions so we'll try and get some more over over the race weekend and see what we can come back with in the next pod
0: All right. We're going to wrap things up. That's all for us today. Thanks as always to Nate and Lawrence for joining us. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Make sure to join us again this weekend as we look back on all the action in Bahrain. And for those of you in the U.S., make sure to catch all the action in Bahrain on ESPN. It's coming up at a more reasonable time for you this time, 9, 10 a.m. Eastern time. So tune in and we'll see you later.